Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. John Wilner joins us, the Wilner Hotline. There's uh, always something going on, especially when it comes to a couple of features, articles he's written, one on how Oregon State and Washington State, despite everything, are in a pretty good spot right now. And then we'll even get into what is a true uh, athletic budget deficit like Arizona has compared to even others that John has been covering too with Cal and UCLA. John, it's great to have you on the show, Paul Craig and Smokey. So could Washington State or Oregon State have had anything of a better picture than they have right now considering all that's happened? Well, no, I don't think so. I mean, but the ceiling is low, right? I mean, they're in a terrible spot. Even the best outcome for them is not a very good outcome. But they certainly have done everything they can, you know, to put themselves in the best position because nobody knows what the heck's going to happen with college football in three years or five years, the way things are going. And the heart of their whole strategy has been to stay flexible in case there's a better opportunity for them uh, down the road. And I think that they've done that and they won the lawsuit with the, the Pac-10. And so they've got uh, some financial reserves to help them stay flexible. And now it's just a matter of watching the landscape to see what happens next. John, um, Arizona uh, (laughs) has hit this budget uh, shortfall. Uh, and you know who knows who else you know sees their head roll because of it. But they they did let go of Dave Hickey this week. How bad is this really, or is it just are we getting maybe too drilled down on that overall number, which may not be as big as it as it looks to to the common person? It is bad, but it's, I don't think it's uh, catastrophic. You know, the university has got a problem of its own uh, outside of athletics. The, the university had a $240 million oversight. They, they completely missed how much cash on hand they have. So that has kind of exacerbated the athletic department's problems, uh, which include not – they you know they borrowed a bunch of money from, from campus during COVID so that they didn't have to lay off employees, and they haven't paid that back. Uh, you know, it's bad. There's uh, other schools that are in bad shape too. Uh, I think that Dave Hickey is, to a certain extent, the fall guy. The president has now fired his CFO, and he has now fired the athletic director. Meanwhile, he is the one who is ultimately responsible for the $240 million oversight. 
John, some shuffling of the coaching seats uh, as DeBoer goes to Alabama, leaves Washington, and so therefore Jed Fish now leaves Arizona. Brent Brennan rolls into Arizona. Just what have you thought of kind of the, the changes going all around the uh, Pac-12 head coaching landscape and just the after effects of that all? I mean, it's crazy that one that one seventy-two-year-old decision can have such a ripple effect through the sport, right? I mean, not only the direct vacancies and hires that happened, you know, Alabama, Washington, Arizona, San Jose State, but also all the coaches that have benefited financially from Saban's retirement because they because of the uh, you know the leverage situation. So I think uh, Washington, uh, you know, it's. It depends on what your expectations are for all these schools going into the, the new conferences and also with the expanded playoff, right? I mean, if Washington's expectation is that they're going to be competing for uh, a playoff spot every year, I don't know that Jed Fish is going to be able to do that. I mean, the sample size with him is pretty small. It's basically a seven-game winning streak that happened because his starting quarterback got hurt and the backup just basically ignited the whole team. John, have I seen some chirping or smoke on uh, Kelly, Chip Kelly, and uh, also UCLA? Is is that stable ground there? You have seen some smoke. Uh, I believe that there is some legit. I'm not saying he is going to leave, but it is. I think it's valid that he has been, you know, monitoring the landscape to see if there are some offensive coordinator positions open in the NFL. Just to kind of gauge it, uh, look, if you're Chip Kelly, you know, it, it hasn't been as successful as you wanted at UCLA. Uh, you're going into the Big Ten. Your schedule next year is insane. Uh, you're not going to have a great team. Your athletic department has a mountainous amount of debt. So UCLA is a worse situation than Arizona. Uh, and you know what? You didn't really, you know, you don't need the money. So, do I think Chip is going to leave? No. Do I think that it's real that he's put feelers out about NFL offensive coordinator positions? Yes. What is the uh, disconnect between the UCLA powers that be and Chip Kelly right now? Do they feel like they haven't gotten their money's worth, or is it a personality thing? What's going on? Well, I mean, the, but on campus, the, the fans are very frustrated. They've, they've not been a fan of Chip uh, since the, you know, the non-conference they went 0-3 in his first non-conference season, and since then, the fans just have never really gotten behind him. But on campus, the issue is uh, apathy at the chancellor level, right? I mean, he's got support in the athletic department, but you know, UCLA's chancellor does not know if a football is inflated or stuffed, and even worse, he doesn't care. <laughs> so uh, that has been, that is a problem, but it's not just the Chip Kelly problem. That's been UCLA's problem for a long time. They haven't won a Pac-12 title since 1998. You know, uh, so that is an issue that has been constant. UCLA is going to get a new chancellor in the summer. Maybe that chancellor will be more into sports. I don't know. They are certainly going to need it, given the challenge awaiting them in the Big Ten. They're going to need a chancellor who cares about football and is willing to put some resources into it. John, what was it like from your perspective to look at an ACC schedule and see Stanford and Cal and the matchups that they've got coming their way starting next season? Yeah, it's kind of crazy, right? Uh, If Stanford opens up at Syracuse, the ACC schedule for them, at Syracuse is their first conference game, and then that's a Friday night, and then the next week they play at Clemson. So it's like 
Well, welcome to life on the Eastern Seaboard. And by the way, they they start classes in between those two road games because they're a quarter system school, so they don't start till September. So they're playing at Syracuse, then they're starting class, then they're playing at Clemson. Cal, they're opening uh, at Florida State. So both schools are going to get uh, like immersed in life in the ACC immediately. Uh, I still think that uh, you know there's a lot of challenges for them with the travel, and I am not convinced that it's going to last. That those two schools are going to last in the ACC for 12 years. And you know, you guys open. We talked about Washington State, Oregon State. The big thing, you know, if the ACC collapses. Uh, it's going to affect a lot of a lot of schools that used to be in the Pac-12. Well, and, and does that then become a life raft or a uh, a parachute that helps Oregon State and Washington State if that happened? Yeah, oh, absolutely. They think, and and I don't think that it's likely to happen. But Oregon State and Washington State are they are playing for the one percent chances, right? They feel like they have to be ready for anything, and one of those things is. Florida State wins its lawsuit, opens the door for Florida State, Clemson, Virginia, and Maryland, uh, Virginia, North Carolina to leave. And all of a sudden, the ACC is a shell of itself. Stanford and Cal don't want to stay because there's no media value in that conference anymore. And so Washington State and Oregon State have got a landing spot for Cal and Stanford to come back uh, in a West Coast-based conference. John, um, how do you think the um – I mean, how is the planning going for the non-revenue sports? I mean, it seems like every time we get kind of a salvo from them, they're stressed out about what is happening for Stanford and Cal having to play uh, anything that doesn't make a million dollars a year uh, on the East Coast. Well, that hasn't changed. I mean, there's still a lot of questions about how they're going to make this work, right? Football is, you know, what is it, four, four trips to the East Coast, and they're chartering, and it's you know, two days, right? That's not a big deal. But the basketballs, soccers, volleyballs, baseball, softball, not just Stanford and Cal, but also for all the West Coast teams, right? I mean, UCLA's Olympic sports playing in Madison, Wisconsin one day and Minneapolis the next. There's a lot of people out here, not just fans, but on the campuses that are just not convinced that this thing is a long-term viable solution for the Olympic sports. John, how has your job changed? You still cover the schools that are right there, uh, whether it's the Pac-2, the Pac-12, whatever it is. That's what you do for a living. But how has that changed maybe how you cover them with them now schools breaking in different parts of the country? You know, it hasn't really changed, and it's not going to change. Okay. Uh, because regardless of what what banner that their conference affiliation says, they are still dealing with all the same issues, right? I mean, they're still dealing with realignment, media rights, NCAA issues, uh, lawsuits. I mean, everything that affects what the fans see on the field, none of that's changing. In fact, I would argue that it's getting – the pace of change is accelerating. I mean, we just saw that with the NCAA president's radical proposal about the, the subdivision, right? And right. then we got this – multi-billion dollar class action lawsuit that's going to trial in a year that could change everything as well. So all the issues at the 40,000 foot level uh, are still there. And I'm going to continue to write about them and how they impact the schools. I'm also going to write about the big 12 uh, conference race and the college football playoff Mm -hmm. and the big 10 
so it really doesn't change for me. It's just the schools are competing uh, under different banners. Did anything change whatsoever? I asked this question a day or two ago with uh, UCLA sending what's so-called like basically like a uh, a stipend to Cal because of the same school system. Yeah. Did, did any the of calimony. The, Yeah, the calimony. <laughs> <laughs> did any of that get offset whatsoever uh, with now Cal part of the ACC, or is it still the full throttle, same amount, no matter what? No, well, it, it is still uh, ongoing. They haven't, the regents, the UC regents have not actually uh, finalized the amount that UCLA is going to have to subsidize Cal. And I think the situation, if you're a UCLA fan, has only actually gotten worse because Cal has all these money tro- all this money trouble this, and they're going into ACC and they're getting Cal and Stanford are getting thirty percent of the ACC's tier one revenue for seven years, right? So their Cal situation is actually getting worse. So I don't see any way that the UC regions aren't going to hit UCLA with a subsidy of anywhere from five to ten million a year. Uh, and then if, if they do, and if it's at the high end, UCLA has already said that increased travel in the Big, Big Ten is going to cost them 10 to $12 million a year. So if you've got 10 to $12 million a year in extra travel, and then you've got another $10 million subsidy, you've got to pay Cal. All of a sudden, all that money you thought you were getting in the Big Ten, you're getting $20 million less. And so what that does is that puts UCLA closer to Oregon and Washington, which are going into the Big Ten at – 50%. So it's going to be hard for UCLA to compete with all these, you know, financial challenges. Do you think that uh, now that it's been a few months since the Big 12 added four, and now with the story with Oregon, Washington, do you think there's any remorse whatsoever from anybody that now have been scattered in different directions? I think a lot of people on the campuses wish the Pac-12 had found a way to make it work. Uh, I don't think uh, everybody's preference was for the Pac-12, I mean, after USC and UCLA left. So those 10 schools, their first choice was always to stick together with a solid media rights deal that would allow them to compete. Uh, And I don't think that's changed. I think that, you know, they're all making plans for the transition this summer, but certainly uh, it, it was not their first choice. Uh, there is some, you know, I don't think anybody has any regret, but I do think that there's a lot of uncertainty about how this whole thing's going to work and whether it is a viable long-term solution, especially, uh, as I said, for the Olympic sports, right? I mean, it's easy to see this thing not working and, you know, in six or eight or 10 years, football, the football schools are doing one thing and everybody else is doing something else, you know, regional conferences. Uh, I think that's, you know, probably a pretty likely outcome. All right. Uh, We know about the other sports. And, John, thanks for your time. The other sports, and they're attached to different conferences. The What is it? The Western – not Western Athletic, but the Western – WCC. Is all that still set? Or Oregon and Washington State a part of that together? Or is there a chance that one of them says, no, we're going to go off on this by ourselves for a year or two? No, they are – so they've got a scheduling agreement with the Mountain West for football. Okay. And then they've got uh, – they are going to be members of the West Coast Conference in basketball and then a whole bunch of other sports for, for two years. But 
they are keeping their options open starting in the fall of 2026, right? Because the NCAA gives them that two-year grace period for football where they can be a two-team conference for two years, still get playoff money and all that kind of thing. So they are basically going to sit back and see what is going on in the landscape in 2026. And it could be that they rebuild the Pac-12 with a bunch of schools from the Mountain West, or it could be, you know, who knows that what what happens with the ACC? Yeah. Again, they are playing for the one percent, and that's a smart. If you're them, that's the smart way to do it. So, last thing for you: what is the status? What is he doing, Commissioner Klyovkov? What is going on with him? I call him the zombie commissioner. Mm. Uh, so he is collecting a paycheck. Uh, the big thing that he is doing, from what I can ascertain. The big thing he is doing is he's part, you know, he's still part of the CFP management committee, which is the 10 commissioners plus Notre Dame's athletic director. Washington State and Oregon State definitely have a, you know, a deep interest in what the CFP does with the access, with the revenue sharing, all that kind of thing. So he's kind of representing those two schools in the CFP meetings. But I think once they finalize, you know, the 5-7 model, once they finalize the revenue sharing for, for the 12-team event, then I think the Pac-12 will, will cut them loose. Thank you, as always, John. Great stuff. We appreciate your time being with us. Uh, great, great insight on a few topics that maybe we haven't discussed in a while. It's there. This has been a Rogue Media Network. Oh, sure.